us who are environmental advocates and activists shift that frame of thought where we are the problem and realize the potential if we go into these landscapes and act as indigenous relatives have and actually try to make it better, what could the world look like a hundred years from now? Welcome to Hate Change, a place where we question the truth and find happiness in new realities. If you are ready to become a climate optimist and to see the world from a new set of eyes, you have come to the right place. I am so excited to have you here and I cannot wait to begin. So let's dive in. Let's embrace some change. Hey guys, welcome back. I am super excited to share with you today's guest who is not just an incredible friend to me, but also one of my earliest inspirations in this eco-influencer field. Renee was one of those models who I would follow back in the day when I wanted to become a model myself. And she really showed me what it could look like if you were a model who also cares for the planet. Today, Renee Peters is an earth activist who, after a decade working as a fashion model in New York City and all over the world, realized a deep yearning to return to nature. Since she already had an undergrad in animal biology, she decided to last summer follow her calling to explore the potentials of permaculture and regenerative agriculture. She took a permaculture design course in Vermont with whole systems design and has since then completed an apprenticeship on a homestead near Albany, a four-month WWOOF, which is Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms, exchange on a permaculture production farm in Hawaii. And she's currently deepening her practices with permaculture as a forest garden apprentice in Highland, New York. No longer modeling, Renee seeks to show her following on social media that transitioning to a completely different field of work is possible. She also hopes to show that reconnecting and working with the land is a change that not only benefits the planet, but that also benefits the soul and personal health and happiness. So without further ado, model for green living turned eco farmer, this is Renee Peters. Renee Peters, I'm so excited to chat with you today. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing so much better than I ever have in my life. Being in nature is truly, truly special. I know. I mean, I, I would be wanting to know that. And it's just incredible to see the person you've grown into be over the past year, even it's been, it feels like it's been longer, but it's happened so fast. And I've known you for, for many years now, and I have quietly followed you and obsessing over your work for even longer. You were one of the first people I was like, oh, a model on a mission. I love this. It's been incredible to follow your journey. And I'm so excited about your new path. And also now that you recently officially rebranded yourself and that you now have left modeling behind completely to dedicate your life to farming, which is so cool. Please share with us what has this journey been like and when did you realize that you were supposed to completely switch paths? Well, first of all, thank you for the kind words and for following along for so long. Your work really inspires me as well. And part of what I love about doing this is all the people that I get to meet. So just grateful for you and thank you. And also trying to condense my journey into a small soundbite is really difficult. <laughs> but I would say that there was quite a marked change in my, just in my life in general last summer. So 
I had signed with a new agency that I thought was going to be much more focused on marketing me as a sustainable influencer rather than just a model. And I signed with them in January or so of last year and really was just getting frustrated with the amount of castings for just unsustainable businesses they were sending me to and just sending me out for things that were really not things that I felt comfortable being the face of and really not taking seriously the work that I was doing as an environmentalist. And I just felt like I was doing a better job promoting myself as an individual than they were doing as my agency. And so, you know, I started turning down a lot of castings and, you know, they're not bad people. They're not, they don't have malicious intent. They, they want to make me money and they want to make money themselves. And they were just doing their best to make that happen. But me being the person that I am and being really steadfast in what I want to be the face of now, um, I just wasn't taking the opportunities that they were giving me. And after a certain extent of like four or five months of me just turning down basically everything they were sending my way, they had a discussion with me about whether or not I wanted to be with them and what I wanted to do. And I basically told them, you know, I'm happy to be represented by you, but I can't keep doing this. And so they came to the decision that it would probably be best for us not to work with each other. And I had a really strong, um, unique opportunity at that point to decide, okay, am I going to look for another agency or is this even what I want to be doing with my life anymore? And I decided not to sign with another agency. And that was really, really powerful for me because when I made that decision, I had so much tension released, so much stress and anxiety mm. that just went away, realizing like, oh, I don't have to do this anymore. I can say no. I don't have to try to keep doing this thing that's no longer fulfilling me. And that was in May. And then in June, I went through a breakup with my partner of four and a half years, and we were living together. And so I no longer had a job that tied me to the city. I no longer had an apartment that tied me to the city. I no longer had a boyfriend that was keeping me there. And I was doing remote social media work for a nonprofit and that I could do from anywhere in the world. And so I decided, okay, rather than lose, uh, seeing all of these things that I'm losing in my life as a problem, how can I turn this around as a really unique opportunity as someone in their thirties to just completely shift their life? And I had studied animal biology in university and being an environmental advocate for so long with my social media, I knew about permaculture and I had kept hearing about regenerative agriculture. And I knew that this was something that I was meant to explore further, but I didn't really have the time. And in the city, it's a lot harder to learn about these things. And so I actually, in January of before all of this happened, had already signed up for a permaculture course, which is really funny the way that you have these intuitions and everything kind of works out perfectly. And I was like, okay, all this stuff fell away. I have this permaculture course coming up in July next month. Let me just see where this leads. And I went to Vermont for 14 days. There was about 40 individuals who came from all over the country, um, some from Canada, some from 
Europe, and it was just one of the most wonderful experiences of my entire life, learning about agriculture in this way that is not only good for people, but also helps ecosystems thrive and people's health and happiness thrive and just all of these wonderful things and getting back into biology and learning about whole systems. I just, I felt this sense of joy and connectedness and this just sense of, oh, this is where I'm meant to be. This is what I'm meant to be doing, which I hadn't felt in a really long time. And like my anxiety went away, just so many things felt so right. And then I went back to the city after that class and all of my anxiety came back. All of these signs of just like, okay, <laughs> you don't have to feel like this. There is an alternative and really just allowing myself, okay, this place is, is no longer serving me. How can I further this? And so after that was when I made the decision, I'm just going to take a year off or so and explore this further. Oh, I listened to your story. I mean, I know your story. It's yet so incredible to hear it. And so many things come to me as you were speaking. One is that it's so funny when I feel like the universe keeps nudging you and pushing you and telling you like signs of you're not supposed to do this anymore. There is a different way of living life and you are done with this chapter and it's time to transition. And you might be listening, but then when you're not paying enough attention, it's almost like, all right, I'm going to make sure you lose your job and your relationship. And suddenly your world is upside down. <laughs> now you have no choice but to listen to your intuition. Yeah. It's happened to me too. So it's just so funny when those moments show up. And I think it takes a lot of strength to be able to see it, like you said, from a place of opportunity and growth and not like the world is falling down all around you because it's easy to feel like, you know, you're the victim, things are just going in the complete wrong direction. And I also know that it was your dream to be a model and you embraced that dream for many years. And so to be able to say, okay, that was one chapter of my life and I've learned a lot, but now I'm ready for the next chapter. And I think that's when we can start being in that flow and accepting things to just move on. That's when we can always continue to find new ways to thrive. Yeah. What would you say is something that you learned about yourself in being a model, something from like how you see the world or even how you look upon yourself? Like what are some sound bites that you can take from all those years of being in the fashion modeling world? Well, I think models don't get enough credit a lot of times in mainstream society. Um, a lot of times we're looked down upon as these people that are just a pretty face and have everything handed to them. And that's really not the case. Uh, being a model, starting when I was 21 and doing it for 10 years, I learned how to be my own advocate, my own marketer, my own. Um, a self-starter in a way that I never would have learned if I had just gone from college into a nine to five job. I mean, you, you have to interact with so many different people every day of the week, so many different teams and different personalities and people trying to tell a story in their own way. And you really have to learn how to work with people of all different backgrounds. And if you want to enjoy the job, not only do you have to know how to work with them, you have to learn how to love a lot of different kinds of people. And I think that that's one of the biggest takeaways from modeling is that I can be in a group of people that I've never met before and just 
pretty quickly find something about them that I can relate to and, and love and really learned a lot about just cultivating community in that way from modeling. Um, another thing that was really, really special that I don't think that I would have learned without modeling was just presenting myself to the world in a way that is easily digestible to others. Mm. Um, and with environmentalism and permaculture and regenerative agriculture in particular, these are things that people have never seen before, never heard of. They're not mainstream. And because I was in the fashion industry and saw how advertisements were made and how clothes that are really weird were, were made into be this trend and something cool that everyone wanted to embrace, I, I really was able to learn how to make things that aren't mainstream seem more appealing to the mainstream and really how to effectively communicate why these things are good for people and just that you don't have to be this really out there fringe person to embrace these things. And so um, just like a general overview, modeling taught me how to be an entrepreneur. It taught me how to cultivate community. It taught me how to really translate things for the mainstream. And I think just as a final note, it really taught me how to leverage, um, leverage media because uh, you and I are both a part of the model mafia and through Cameron Russell and Anya Rose Campbell, we were shown that these connections that we have with people in media are invaluable and that we can use those connections to get a more important message out. They, people don't want to just talk about fashion. They're interested about the stories and the producers behind things and how things are made. And so um, being a model also gave me the confidence that I do have a story to tell and I do have connections to make that story reach a wider audience. I am so excited that of all the things that you decided to to learn more about and to transition into its farming and soil and regenerating our earth. Because it's funny, actually, when Renee started growing her interest in this, I was myself just reading the book, Kiss the Ground, and I started obsessing over soil as well. And when she told me that she had signed up to be a farmer for a summer, I was like, oh my God, this is a dream. She is going to kill it. And I'm so jealous, actually, that she's doing this. So I'm a big nerd when it comes to this. Mm -hmm. And I would love for you to give us a quick crash course in what regenerative farming is and why it's so important for our environment and ultimately the climate. Yeah, well, it's a really big subject and I am still such a novice in this, but I'll do my best in trying to consolidate what regenerative farming is. And regenerative agriculture actually falls under the same umbrella as permaculture, but regenerative agriculture in particular is just a system of farming principles and practices that increases biodiversity, enriches soil, improves watersheds, and enhances ecosystems in general. And one of the biggest things that you mentioned that regenerative agriculture also does is sequesters carbon into the soil. It regenerates the soil, and that in turn helps um, reduce the amount of greenhouse gases that are being emitted into the atmosphere, which then result in global heating. And so it's just this... It's this way of farming that aims to 
not only increase yields and produce more food for people and the community, but it also aims to increase climate resilience and even more importantly, the health and vitality of the farming communities and the people that are eating this food. And I also wanted to mention permaculture because that's really more what I'm learning about right now. And regenerative agriculture is in that, that same realm. Um, and permaculture is just basically a set of design principles that use whole systems thinking to try to mimic nature and see, go into an environment and landscape and see what nature is trying to do there and then mimic that and create food at the same time. And um, it's, just, it's just a way of farming, if I can put it the most simply, that tries to do good for the planet and people, creating food and creating ecosystems at the same time. So for um, anyone who has no idea how farming is done, you know, conventionally today, how is this any different from how a regular farmer would grow his food? Well, conventional agriculture is actually very new in the grand scheme of, of humans interacting with the planet. The, the fact that we're using chemicals, insecticides, nitrogen fertilizers, and all of these things, all of these external inputs that are only possible through fossil fuel extraction, that is not traditional agriculture. That is like the new weird thing. And it's really bad for the soil. It's degrading soil. I think if we continue doing farming in this new way where we're degrading soil, we only have 60 years of topsoil left. Um, and so regenerative agriculture and permaculture really just seeks to go back to what indigenous cultures have always been doing and have known is best practice for themselves and the planet. Right. So instead of slowly killing the soil and having to find new pesticides to try to like kickstart the system again, we work with the planet and with nature to produce even more food and live in a much healthier environment and climate. Exactly. So, I mean, I know what, it, what is so exciting for me when it comes to soil, but I want to hear your story. What fascinates you so much about soil? Well, for me, I think one of the most fascinating things just as a beginner in this, in this field is just how wonderful it feels and how calming it is to just put your hands in the soil and work with it and get dirty and interact with it. Because so many of us, like myself, have been so disconnected from it. There's this real, visceral, human, almost animalistic sense of peace and calming that you get from working with the soil. And so at a really basic level, I'm just fascinated with how healing working with it is. Mm. And then at a more like scientific nerdy level, the thing that really fascinates me about it is just how quickly with the help of humans and just doing things in a way that mimics what animals have already been doing in an ecosystem is how quickly we can rebuild soil. Um, you can go into a landscape that has completely degraded, just awful clay, sandy soil. Um, for instance, I don't know if you've seen The Biggest Little Farm, but they went into this apple orchard that was just sprayed and sprayed. And 
just completely decimated and in four years or less turn that soil into this vibrant ecosystem full of billions of organisms of living things that are taking carbon in and nutrients in and then creating life from that in the form of food and that time frame is something that I had no idea about because there's so much alarming information about the climate and about the planet and just how awful things are and how it just is really overwhelming thinking of how we're going to put things back in at least on the right track to recovery and seeing how quickly soil can regenerate and go from this dead matter into this rich organic living life system is incredibly inspiring yeah and i think that is why i also got so excited when i learned about soil it's amazing how quickly life bounces back when you allow it and then also it is really a a great solution in the issue we have where we have way too much carbon in the atmosphere because carbon itself is not the issue it's just that it's being misplaced and so when we take it out of the ground put it in the atmosphere what's going to happen is the oceans are going to start absorbing it to try to cool down the planet and then the oceans get acidified and we just interrupt and disrupt the whole ecosystem it's so simple and such a no-brainer that you can take the carbon and create living soil that's going to sequester it for you. And that is a beautiful way of balancing the climate and bring it back to normal. So thank you for embarking on this journey, for making it your mission to help save us all. And for anyone who's listening, what is something that someone can do who may not have known that conventional farming is so bad for the planet and that wants to help support this movement? What can someone who doesn't work in farming do to be supportive? Well, I think one of, well, I'll actually tell you two really simple ways to help and how to support this system. And one is to have a relationship with local farmers. And the easiest way to do that is to shop for all of your produce at a farmer's market. And in places like the Northeast, that's really difficult during the winter. But certain parts of the year, you have farmer's markets that go year-round. And even um, in the Northeast, if you, if you are going to farmer's market from the spring all the way through the late fall, you're, you're creating relationships with these farmers. And you can often find ways of maintaining that relationship throughout the winter. So farmers markets are a really easy way for people to stop supporting industrial agriculture and support these small farms that are, even if they're not necessarily um, certified organic, most of the time using regenerative organic practices. And then the second thing that people can do is composting their food scraps. And it's really exciting because in New York City, they finally rolled out curbside compost pickup. Um, and a lot of cities around the, around the country are, are doing this. A lot of countries around the world have been doing this for decades. But you really just need even a paper bag. Obviously, like a small trash can is even better or then like a special compost bin is the best option. You can just start keeping the scraps of your food, like the onion peels and the leftovers from the food that you don't eat and your coffee grounds and eggshells and all of these things that we would normally throw into municipal waste through our trash can, you can put those into a compost bin and then 
all of that carbon, all of that, that methane that would be released in landfills from that, that food waste then can be taken and turned into compost, turned into soil, and those nutrients, instead of being lost and turned into this thing that is bad for our planet, go back to the soil and are turned into something that's really healthy and beautiful for the planet. So shopping locally and farmer's markets when possible, and then making sure to compost your food. Yes. Two, two very simple things to do. Also, I've, I've found this trick where you can actually freeze your food scraps in case they start smelling, which is really helpful too. My husband is like, why do we have old food in our freezer? <laughs> and I'm like, because we're going to compost this. We're not going to throw it out. So I know that you also, I want to tap into this real quickly, that you believe that something much bigger is going on right now. And would you mind sharing some of your thoughts about the current state of the world, political and spiritual? And also where you think that we're headed to next? Well, if I, I know that you know, but to some of the listeners who have not followed me in my work, I have this tattoo on my wrist that is representative of this ancient South American prophecy called the condor and the eagle. And right now they've prophesized that we're in this really potent time of existence where there's a lot of change and a lot of potential where we can either go down the road of things getting really bad and, you know, climate catastrophe and political takeover for corporate elites and just really bad things. But there's also the potential of this beautiful coming together of people around the world where spiritually, mentally, just as a community come together and share all of the things that we've learned, no matter what side we're on, what we believe politically, what we believe spiritually coming together and making this world one that thrives and is a beautiful place and is even better than we've ever imagined. And I feel like what's happening right now is we're seeing that unrest and that turmoil happen firsthand. It's no longer something that's being prophesized. We're living through that history and we're seeing a lot of people question the way that our capitalist system has been working for so long. We're seeing that this isn't something that benefits all of us. It's something that really, really steeply benefits a very few people at the top who I think it's like 56 people own the same amount of wealth as the rest of the population or like 60% of the population, just some just astronomical yeah, some astronomical number. Um, we're seeing that these stories that we've been told are, are not actually true. This is not actually the way that we will achieve happiness as a society. And I think we're also being shown, you know, during COVID and this, this time when we're all being forced to shelter in place, that the way that we were living before was actually really unsustainable from a mental health, a spiritual health, just a physical health perspective, because we're seeing what's possible when we slow down. We're not forced to go to work every, every day. We're not forced to be separated from our families. Hopefully um, we're being shown that we're not creatures that actually thrive being so individual and isolated. We're being shown that we actually really need each other for our health and our happiness and being isolated away from people, you're really shown how much you do need one another and how much 
um, we do depend on one another. And that again is just not what we're, it's not the narrative, especially in America where we're just encouraged to be these individuals who at all costs strive to just make our own lives better. So I think we're in this really unique time where a lot of the stories that we've been told our entire lives are being shaken up and we're, we're seeing that they're not necessarily true. And I also feel like even though there is this beautiful positive side of the potential that we're being shown, we're also in the middle of a time when the people who do hold a lot of power, who do have a lot of wealth, really stand to just further that wealth and exploit this situation. And so it's really important that as the New York election, uh, the primaries are being canceled and we're not able to vote because we're being forced to stay home because of this virus, which completely makes sense, but it is affecting our democracy when we're not allowed to shop at farmers markets yet Walmarts and Amazon are seeing more profits than ever. We really need to take this time as an opportunity to say, okay, I don't want to support this. And I feel like, the more educated we can be, that's the first step. You know, don't, don't allow the fear of all of the horrible things that are happening in this world keep you from finding out the ways that we can get out of this because the people in power who want to maintain that really benefit from us being so scared that we just freeze and we don't do anything. Yeah, I think, first of all, it's definitely a time that's been called for us, I, I can't help but feeling like we're, we are exactly where we are supposed to be right now and this is supposed to happen. I try to stick with that narrative and try to remind myself that things might seem very bad on the surface, but I think a lot of things are going on that we are only going to know exactly what when, once we're out of this. And I mean, that might take many, many years, but I do think this is the beginning of something new. And I think it is important that we continue to find that story within us and like try listening more and more to that belief because like you said fear will take over and if the people who want you to believe in fear gets their way they're going to use that for their better so this is a time when we need to reclaim our own power and to say so many things were not working before it was so unsustainable and ultimately we were not happier and healthier that all these things that we've been promised so how can we use this time to reflect and look forward with a different set of eyes. With that said, though, I think it's easier said than done. So do you have a quick tip for how you find peace and mindfulness and all of this? So what I've been really trying to practice, which it, it's a privilege, and I say it's a privilege because a lot of people don't have access to nature. They don't have access to um, just time for themselves. They don't have access to staying home and not working out in the field. So I, I just, I think the most important thing is to acknowledge the privilege and the luxury that I have in doing this. But I also think that it's something that a lot of us can find the time to do. And the more that those of us who can find this time to take care of ourselves are able to, the more that that will ripple out and positively benefit others as well. And the thing that I've been really doing and trying to connect to is going out in nature, sitting and just observing 
and, and noticing actually how, how powerful this time has been for nature and how positive it's been, you know, we're having much cooler days in April than we have in a very long time. And the skies are clearer and the water is cleaner and great migrations of amphibians and reptiles that are usually really hindered from traffic are able to happen right now just because of all of this that's that's happening to slow down uh, our societies. And so really just going in nature and seeing that although this is incredibly difficult for for us as humans, this is actually quite a gift for the natural world. And then using that place of, of observation to really feel grateful and happy for nature. So cultivating that sense of, of gratitude and happiness from that, which I see in the world. And the other thing that I've been doing and really practicing is just being present and being mindful and whenever I have a free opportunity doing a yoga class and um, really meditating and focusing on calm. Because as I said before, it's, it's really easy if you're paying attention to media and to what's happening in the world to feel overwhelmed and a lot of fear and a lot of stress. And the more that we can just tap into our core and our presence and what's actually happening right now, I've been able to find a sense of peace that then allows me to show up for my community to go out and work with the land in a way that I would not be able to if I didn't have that time and that, that's that source of pause and reflection. Yeah, I can only agree with you. I feel like, first of all, hearing the birds sing in the morning, remembering that nature is still thriving, if not even more, the skies are so clear, even in New York City, which is amazing. And just remembering that we have made these systems for ourselves that we were operating by, like all these rules that are now just like falling down. And I can actually make my day be whatever my day should be. And I can listen to my own body and find myself being more in tune with the moment and what's going on. And I think that is what I also find my peace. So thank you so much. I want to give you one final question. And that is all about my word retruthing because here on Hey Change, we're all about rethinking our current realities to pave paths for new possibilities, mindsets, and worlds. And so if you were to take anything that you find is your truth in your world or in your life, and then try to like retruth it to flip the narrative, what retruthing would you do? I love this word and this question so much. I last year and the year before I was really finding my stride as an environmental activist who just thought people were the problem and who was really down on humans in general and just feeling like we're this parasite on the earth that you know the planet would be better without and a lot of the work that I've been doing and that I've been seeing done by indigenous cultures and reaping the benefits of their wisdom, I've been learning that that's not the case and it doesn't have to be the case. It hasn't always been the case. And so retruthing that humans are the problem and realizing that when we reconnect to our place in the ecosystem, when we remember that we are not separate from nature, that we are a part of it, 
not only can we not cause harm to the planet and to our environments, but we can actually make them better. And there's this really amazing scientific research that's been going on recently that actually shows that the Amazon rainforest is not this virgin paradise of untouched wilderness that we have come to believe. It's actually a landscape that was designed by the patient persistence of indigenous cultures who interacted with the land and the local ecosystems. And actually the rainforest might be the result of careful human planning over thousands of years. And so Wow. One of these places that we look at as just the most biodiverse, most amazing, most vital things for our planet may have not been as amazing if it weren't for the indigenous cultures that live there. And for anyone else who's interested in learning more about this, I highly recommend searching Terra Preta. And it's just, it's so fascinating. I mean, this, the Amazon rainforest very may well have been a food forest, a permaculture agriculture system that now hundreds and thousands of years later makes our planet even more vital and more thriving. And so I'm just excited about that prospect and imagining if all of us who are environmental advocates and activists shift that, that frame of thought where we are the problem and realize the potential if we go into these landscapes and act as, as our ind indigenous relatives have and actually try to make it better, what could the world look like 100 years from now? I could not think of a better way to see humanity and the world. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart for retrieving that for me. And I thank you for everything you're doing. I think you're one of the coolest people alive right now. And I just appreciate you for taking that leap of faith of leaving your old life behind and just fully blooming into the cool eco farmer that you are supposed to be today. So I love you, girl. I love you too. Thank you so much for, like I said, following along and believing in me all this way. I mean, I know when I look back from this in 10 years, I'm going to see the plan and the beautiful the beautiful arc of the storyline but when you're in the middle of it completely changing your life without people like you without people that are supportive and trusting and encouraging it would be so much harder and so i just really want to thank you for being a friend and someone that i can look to for inspiration and just really grateful for the work that you're doing as well thank you don't you feel like there's just suddenly so much hope in the world like the only thing we have to do is get our hands dirty and fall in love with earth again and start mimicking what nature has been trying to do all along. Also, humans are not the problem. We can actually be the solution. How beautiful is that? I love this conversation. I hope you loved it too. And if you like this show, please head over to Hey Change on whatever podcast platform you're on and give me a review and please if you like it, five stars. It really, really helps me reach more audience and listeners just like yourself. Also, a quick side note. Since we recorded this episode, New York has actually decided to pause all curbside composting until 2021. So that is sort of a bummer. So right now, it's not possible to do any curbside composting. However, 
you can actually make your compost bin at home. I found this incredible New York Times article explaining how, so I will make sure to link that in the show notes as well. So if you feel like you want to start becoming change in this field, please compost your food. It's one of the simplest ways to make sure that you are lowering your footprint on this planet. So make a compost bin, have fun with it. And until next time, have an awesome week. I can't wait to chat more.